we, we look at the person of Jesus and, you know, I had a, a dear friend of mine, an evangelist, and, and he was uh, preaching at our church one time and he, his message was the day that God died. And so I pulled him in and I said, uh, uh, first name John, I said, John, when, when did God die? Well, he said, when Jesus died. I said, well, Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, the God part can never die. You cannot kill an immortal being. So Jesus is the most unique being because he is, he was born in time. Galatians 4.4 says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, uh, born under the law and born of a woman. So we see that, that you don't see the name Jesus in, 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 in Christ pre-incarnation or before he took on flesh. You don't see the name Jesus stamped, um, you know, like it was when, when Mary was told, call his name Jesus, which the name Yeshua, Joshua, is, is the name. So we saw Yeshua, the deliverer in the Old Testament, but there was not these prophecies of the Messiah. They didn't say there that you call his name Jesus. They said you call his name Emmanuel, wonderful counselor. And so the story of Jesus if you start in Sunday school, you'll think that the story of Jesus begins possibly at the manger. Well, the, the story of Jesus doesn't start at the manger, and it do doesn't even start in the Garden of Eden, because Jesus, now watch this, who is the Word, who is the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, which we know is Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's the Trinity, or Father, Word, Holy Spirit is the Trinity because Jesus is called the Word. We're going to read scriptures that state that. And so the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now what happened is Psalm says, a body you have prepared for me. So the humanity of Jesus didn't start off in the Old Testament. The humanity of Jesus started with a go now. Go now, get, get the girl, talk to the virgin, see, get, get her to give permission to bear the child. And so the whole story of Mary and Joseph was meant to happen at a certain day. And so we can actually track the uh, probable birth dates of Jesus, we can definitely track to the very time and date of Jesus' death, his resurrection, and also his ascension to heaven. So we can track because Jesus was a human, but he was also preexistent as God. And then we're going to find out that in eternity, we're going to see this fusion of this body, this appearance of a person, meaning a real human, will be merged into the Godhead forever. Now when we get to heaven, we're going to see the physical expression of the invisible God will be the lamb on the throne, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the white horse rider. We're going to see the Son of Man in, Rev in Revelation chapter 1. But for eternity, God has chosen to, to merge with humanity for eternity, and that makes the whole gospel message even more significant. This is just preparatory things before we get into the scriptures. Jesus is eternal. He has no beginning, and he has no end. 
He has always existed and will always exist. Jesus is in fact the word of God. He is the eternal God. Jesus the human did in fact have a birth date and we know the literal day in history when Christ was crucified and subsequently raised from the dead. Yet scripture tells us that as the word, he was with God and is God. The person and nature of Christ is unique. No one in history, past or future, will be able to claim pre-existence like Jesus can. Jesus really messed people up with statements like, before Abraham was, I am. Think of it. You're with the guy. You know, you know you, you've, you've, you've been all over. Israel's this very small region. And I was in Capernaum and, and some of the Sea of Galilee, uh, Tiberias, Sea of Galilee localities. Nazareth isn't right on the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's inland between the Mediterranean and the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and all those people in that time doing commerce, they'd been to Nazareth. It wasn't considered to be like a real awesome place. Like if you say you're from Dufer, Oregon, no one really goes, wow, I'd like to be from Dufer. And that was kind of the way Nazareth was. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So here's a guy that looks just like the average uh, guy on the street. And he's speaking these wonderful things and there's miracles following him. And it was hard to hear when he would make radical statements like when God said to Moses, I am, I exist that I exist. I am that I am. And here's... God, through Jesus, and next week Natalie's going to handle the humanity of Jesus a little bit more specifically, but I, I felt we need to merge them today to, to dissect them. So here is the word, <laughs> the preexistent Jesus speaking through the man Jesus and, and, and in the book of John and says, before Abraham was, I am. I exist. John 17, 5, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, the unborn child, the human Jesus, did not pre-exist with the Father, but, but the second person of the Trinity did. And you'll find out that especially in the book of John, you see that there is a big distinction when people would approach Jesus and thought he was a, a man and they would try to worship him, he would stop them. But he would receive worship when he, did, when he could tell that they were receiving him as God. If they came up to flatter him as a human, he said, call no man good except the Father. If they came up and, and they bowed before him for salvation and healing and all that, he'd, he'd minister to them. Wow. So when you, when you read scriptures, messianic scriptures, uh, even of the, of the history of Jesus, you've got to be able to put on your cap, is this Jesus speaking to us as the God-man? When he's crying for help at Gethsemane, it, it was a true human crying out to be delivered from the cup he would drink. It wasn't the second person of the Trinity, God asking God to not make him die. Because at the point of, of the cross, when, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All that was God had to lift out of Jesus. He had to be the most forsaken, the most destroyed human in the universe to pay for the sins of you and I and all of humanity. And so that's the mystery of the beauty of who Jesus was.
He had to trust the Father that God could abandon him and not yet truly abandon him. It is beautiful. And so we see that Jesus would just blow people away when he's talking about his pre-existence. And then the final one I'll bring up, Mark chapter 12, verses 35 through 37. Then Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstools. Therefore David himself calls him Lord. How, how then is he his son? Well, we all know the answer. Because the one that was called the son actually pre-existed before David's time as the word. And so Psalm 110 makes sense to us. The Lord said to my Lord, said it, your right hand. So our task today is to unpack the reality of how God, the word, who was the source of all things created, could be born into our world and forever be known as Jesus. Jesus, the God-man. Say this with me, fully God, fully man. And you'll find out theologically, this is where all these wars come from. People who only want him to be a man and people who deny his existence in the flesh. In fact, one of the biggest heresies they fought in the first century was called Gnosticism. And they said that, that all flesh was so corrupt, God couldn't have come and dwelt in human flesh and therefore, he had a spirit body, and it wasn't like typical human flesh. That's why when Jesus came back, he asked him if they had food, and he took food, and it didn't drop through him like it would have Casper the ghost. He, he had a physical body. Jesus had a body, when, and he has an ascension body, and he will return to us bodily in the clouds of glory to take away his church. So who, if we were going to ask people, hey, who would be the number one expert biblically to tell us about the nature and person of this amazing guy, Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Well, the answer would probably be his best friend. Best friends can tell a lot about somebody. You know, like, like uh, Terry Edders and I, uh, Terry lives in Klamath now, but, you know, we started running together since we we're 11. So, we, so, quote unquote, we know where all the bodies are buried. You know, you have your friends, they know you. They know how you think. They know your history. They know the times that you got embarrassed and humiliated and all that. And they love to bring them up. But who could tell us a lot about Jesus that was a biblical writer? And the answer is his best friend, the Apostle John. John was the one that, that the Bible said that, G, that he, he laid his, his head upon the breast of Jesus. And he was called, in his own writing, the disciple that Jesus loved. So I guess first to it gets it, right? But Jesus had a fondness, had, an, had a human bond with John that was very unique. And that bond carried John to be the youngest apostle who was out of the, out of the 12. There was one suicide, which was Judas, and the other, other 10 were martyrs. And John was attempted to be killed, was boiled in oil, and lived. And so he died of a natural death, quote unquote. But Jesus was known by John. John saw... Jesus healed the sick, saw him open blind eyes, raise the dead, 
He saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was in the garden with Jesus when, when Jesus prayed. He watched Jesus' body be shredded to pieces by whipping and torture. He was the only disciple who watched Jesus die, and he was one of the first to see Jesus raised from the dead. He spoke with the resurrected Jesus and ate a final meal with him. He saw Jesus ascend to heaven, and in his old age, in Revelation chapter 1, he saw and wrote about Jesus in his eternal state. Jesus was known by John. John's words are very trustworthy in describing the, the fusion of God and man together in the person of Jesus. So today, we're going to be looking at the writings of John in the gospel, the ones, some pertinent ones where he talks about, about Jesus. Also in his epistle of 1 John, we're going to look at that. And finally, in, in his uh, uh, final writings in the book of Revelation, we're going to look at what he said about Jesus and who he is. In it, we're going to see Jesus a little bit better. How many of you like Jesus in a manger? I do. I like Christmas stories. But I'm also impressed with Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee and cared for people and raised the dead and did all those things. I like him. How about you? I also appreciate the one that went to the cross. I totally celebrate on Easter the resurrection, the one that rose from the dead. I'm pretty amazed at the one that, that, that ascended to heaven as the disciples watched. I'm also pretty impressed with the one who sent the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the day of Pentecost. And I'm really impressed with the one that's got the groovy white hair, eyes of fire, voice like the, uh, the sound of many thunders. The ascended Jesus is pretty awesome. Amazingly awesome. How awesome. So awesome that John fell in front of him as dead. That's called a killer appearance. If you're going to understand Jesus, if you're going to get the portraits of Jesus, we've got to appreciate every stage. Not just say, well, hey, I'm kind of like a baby Jesus fan. Let's be a whole life fan of Jesus. In, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The cults try to tell you that there's uh, an A here. In the Greek, there is no, no indicator of anything that would be close to an A God. It just says it, the word was with God or face to face with God. And the word was God. How many of you know that Father is God? The word is God and the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, there's an order of authority within the Trinity. The Father is the shot caller. Jesus is the, is the physical representation of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is that spirit that hovers and brings change and brings the miraculous. What we see and feel among us, because Jesus is, is at the right hand of the Father in heaven interceding for us. So what do we feel when we feel Jesus here? We feel the Holy Spirit who's bringing Jesus to us. You can, you, can, you can touch all of the Trinity from any of, of them. When, you, when you're touched by the Father in the, in the Old Testament, you can feel the love of Jesus, even in the Old Testament. You can feel the power of God through the Holy Spirit. So there's no division there. But it was the Word that was with God, and the Word was God, 
verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now I want you to catch this. This is the prologue of the book of John. John is trying to say to us, hey, before we get into what it looked on the, like on the dusty trail and what it looked like in first century Palestine, which of course John was still in first century Palestine when he wrote this. And, and, and he said, before we get all caught up in he said, she said on an earthly plane, I want you to kind of get an idea that, that this life, the light of men, that I traveled with, that I touched, that I interacted with. He was in the beginning with God. Think about what it must have been like to be a Jewish person that slept through the, the life of Jesus and maybe even cheered when he was crucified. And suddenly your eyes are open and you go, oh my God. He was right here, and we didn't even know him. Thank God for those that know and keep the doors open. All things were made through him. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Slide three, John chapter one. Continuing on, up, skipping to verse 10 through 14. He... Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. That hurts me thinking about it. The guy that designed the whole globe we walk on and we're ignorant to how he didn't care about sochi, uppy, clicky things. He wanted to just be down where people hurt, where people live with such purity, so unplugged from political correctness, no matter which angle you approach it. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth I just want to give you an insight when you read the Bible you'll find out people that wrote the Bible like the two brothers of Jesus they were literally his physical brothers Jude and, and, and James they never bragged about that natural connection because it was so eclipsed by the eternal connection. They only refer, others would say the Lord's brother, but they'd always just say the servant of the Lord. John was with him. And he wanted us to know, hey, he was here. He showed up in the flesh. This eternal word of God, this powerful God in the flesh walked among us. And so we... The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
You want to shake down Jesus? You're going to find out that he's going to tell you the straight story and then he's going to have to, and he will have the grace to cure your problem. That's exactly what growth in Christianity is. I go to the Bible and when I read the truth, I go, oh gosh, I'm screwed. I am a wreck. And then Jesus comes along and said, no, you're not, because I will not abandon you. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm going to change you to make you look like me. And that takes some maturity to say, hey, I need to upgrade, not downgrade Jesus. I need the upgrade because he's so willing. Grace and truth. Truth will take your skin off. <laughs> How many have read the Bible and go, oh, gosh. I was in Mexico for three weeks, and I was just doing my devotions in the book of Luke. Man, I was scared of my own salvation before I got out of Mexico because Luke is so straightforward in, in what Jesus said. But it, it's the grace and truth. It's the truth that makes me feel undone. It's the grace that rebuilds me in the image of God. So we see that we, that's what John had to say. Some of the things that John had to say in the book of John to say he was the eternal God as well as uh, a human. In 1 John, the epistle of John, uh, in 1 John chapter uh, 1, 1 through 4, it said, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Okay, think of it. Jesus traveled with these guys. Every once in a while, Jesus, Jesus I don't think, was the lay-around guy that they carried on a pallet or like a, like a rickshaw or something. He walked like the rest. He was probably doing chores. He probably, from time to time, said, hey, hey, uh, hey John, get over here and, and, and give me a hand with this. I'm trying to hold this water to pour into this pot. Could you stabilize my arm? And here's Jesus, the Son of God, being touched by guys like John. He said, we've handled him. We've touched him. We've held him. I have a hunch that those guys, you know, 13 dudes and an assortment of other disciples and ladies that traveled in their company, I have to imagine there were times that Jesus and all bent down and belly laughed about some stupid thing that happened. Why do I know? Because I believe that God is the source of a sense of humor. Not nasty humor, but funny stuff. The world is funny to me. And I think it came from God. And I think that those guys, when they, when they walked together, it wasn't all just singing the Gregorian chants and things. I think there was a lot of just natural life they had to bivouac. They had to set up camp. They had to filter water. They had to do different things. And John said, he was one of us. That which was from the beginning. What beginning? The beginning of time. That fits in what he said in John 1. But also from the beginning of them tracking him. Said, we've looked upon from the beginning. Their beginning was when they started traveling with Jesus. His beginning was before the, earth, the world. He had no beginning. He said, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. 
Now going to slide five and, 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 and I want to talk about Revelation 1. Because Revelation 1, in my mind, is absolutely the knockout blow for every cult that wants to make like Jesus is Michael the Archangel or that Jesus was the Savior, but he's not God. We're going to find a connection between Jesus saying he's the Alpha and Omega and, 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 another, and a voice saying the Alpha and Omega, I'm the Almighty. Now, how many of you know if Jesus is the Alpha and Omega and Alpha and Omega is claiming to be the Almighty, you don't have several Almighties. There's Mighties and then there's the Almighty. And so only God can be the Almighty. And we're going to look at the words of John in describing Jesus resurrected and, 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 and he's giving a prophetic picture of eternity through the book of Revelation, starting off with the revelation of Jesus. Uh, verse 7 and following, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. So which of the Trinity got pierced? Holy Spirit or the Father or? There's only, only the Son was pierced, right? Okay, so he, Jesus, is coming with clouds as he said he would. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Big underline here. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, a, a critic could say, you know, Pastor Steve, that, that doesn't necessarily say that Jesus has to be that. Maybe it's the Father is saying, oh, by the way, behold, he's coming with clouds. And I go, you know, you've got me there. It does not say this is Jesus. But I'm going to find out where later on there's a voice that is the Son of Man, Jesus, saying he also is the Alpha and Omega. So that tells me, lock, locked in, Jesus is the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write it in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, we've got a voice behind him. We don't know who the voice is yet. But John's going to turn around and he's going to get an eyeful. And I want to tell you something. The first eyeful that you get of Jesus is going to be this guy and not the guy that looks like he was a Malibu surfer carrying a lamb. And I dig those Malibu surfer uh, shots, you know. I just wished I had curly hair like that and was ever slim enough to take a photo like that. But how many of you know the pictures we hang up of gentle shepherd in our houses and the ascended Jesus look differently? Then I turned to see the voice. Which voice? The voice that, that was saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Most likely the same voice that said, I'm also the Almighty. Come on now. Jesus is not just another angel. He's, he's, to which of the angels did he say, you're my son today, I've begotten you. I'm giving you practical tools to deal with cultists that come knock on your door. We're talking about Mormonism has a Jesus that was born like we are. 
in, in the sense of as we, as, as, as we were, God once was, as God is, we will one day be. Mormonism lacks a creator God. Nothing in Mormon in teaching and tradition teaches that God was pre-existent. Their God was born and kind of mutated and grew, grew into Godship. No, ours pre-existed as God before any matter. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like white wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John fell at the feet like a dead man at his best friend. Because his best friend had an upgrade. How many of you know that when we go and we see the Lord, we're going to have an upgrade, my friends? Excited me. Okay. But he laid his right hand on me and, and saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. I don't know about you, but that's, I, I call hermeneutics. It's theological martial arts. Bruce Lee said a, a fight should never last more than a third of a second. They enter your striking zone and, and you, you would, and to me, this, this kills, this kills every lying stuff. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Almighty. Preexistent. Wow. I don't know about you. I'm ready to sit down and listen for a while. This is good. <laughs> Paul similarly deals with the, the, the God and man connection. We're going to read from the Amplified Translation. Some people call it the female translation because it uses more words. Uh, my wife would approve of it. And the Amplified really gives us a good job of clarifying these verses. We're going to look at Colossians 1, 15 through 20, reading from the Amplified. I believe we have it up there. Yep. Now he, that would be Jesus, is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation, for it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen. Whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service and intervention and in and for him. And he himself existed before all things. In him all things consist, cohere, are held together. He also is the head of his body, the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead so that he alone in everything and in every race respect may, might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. For it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, powers, and attributes should dwell in him permanently. And God purposed that through by the service, the intervention of him, the Son, all things should be com completely reconciled back to himself, 
whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace by means of the blood of his cross. Wow. What are some conclusions? The first conclusion that I've drawn from this is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Secondly, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, which is declared to be the Almighty in Revelation 1.8. That's why I don't stop people from worshiping Jesus, because I know that if they're worshiping in the name of Jesus, they're worshiping Almighty God. Otherwise, we'd never have somebody getting up here and singing, I sing to Moses, I praise Moses. We're going, dude, Moses was holy, but you don't worship a man. But when we say, I love you, Jesus, when we pour out our hearts in prayer, we go, oh, Jesus, you've got to help me. We're not praying to a mere man. We're praying to God that designed us, that knows every bit about retooling us to be successful in all things eternal and temporal. The third point, we will see Jesus with our own eyes as the ascended Lord, as described by Revelation 1, 13 through 17. And finally, I want to write to you what John said. First John, to me, is one of the finest books in the Bible. I love it. In, verse, in chapter 5 of 1 John, verses 11 through 13, he said this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Wow. Next steps. The first one of the next steps, and I hope we were able to get that. So it, th 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 this is one that's not on there yet. But it's to actively put your faith in Jesus as God. Every one of us must personally acknowledge and accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Number two, which is up here as number one, join the journey through the Word of God from now until Easter as we seek to behold Jesus in His Word and encounter Him in His person. Number three, take this journey of discovery as a community in your connect group. And then number four or five, commit to spend time with Jesus in his word every day. Commune with him personally through prayer. Every week, people come in here ripped up by life. This morning, I was seated in my easy chair and I had Saturday's paper and uh, I hadn't had a chance to read it and as I opened up page two or three of the Medford Tribune I saw a closing of a murder case in, in Portland, a guy that stabbed and killed a couple people on the, on the max and then I saw other murders and murders and, and I just go, oh 
Our world is so broken. And I just think what it'd be like to walk this life maybe from a broken home, maybe from folks that didn't care, people around me didn't care. Maybe I wasn't top of the class, the most handsome or most beautiful person. Life just seems to be hard. And then all of a sudden you get to meet Christ. You begin to hear about someone that loves you, that actually was there to frame you like Psalm 139 says that you saw my, my members unformed. You've known me, my uprisings, my downsettings, and you've loved me. I want to tell you something. Today's a good day to receive God. For me, that day was March of 1971. And of all the mistakes I've made in life, that wasn't it. That was the good decision. And so what we do is we give people each week an opportunity to just join God. So if you'd bow your, your heads and close your eyes, I'd like every one of you that came in this place saying, I want to join God. I'm kind of impressed with this light and life, the, the light and light of men, life and light of men. I'm impressed with Jesus. I want him to take away my sins. I want to know the Father. I want to live forever in eternity with God. If you're here today and maybe you don't even feel like you know everything about it, you don't need to know everything about it. You need to know God loves you. He wants to come in to the midst of your life. The good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly, the messy, the perfect, it doesn't matter. God wants to be a part of your life but you've got to join him. So raise your hands right now, every one of you in this place that say, I want to join God today. I just want to join God. I'm looking around. We're not going to make you walk anywhere or anything. We're going to all pray together. Okay. Hallelujah. Natalie, if you want to come up and pray with him. And that's going to say a prayer for all of us that we would continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful picture of who you are, that Jesus, you are God, that you're fully man and fully God. And we thank you that you made a way for us to have relationship with you. And Lord, we pray in this next season that as a church community, we would just behold you in a fresh way. Open our eyes, Lord, to truly see you, to not just bring our preconceived ideas, but Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd reveal Jesus to us. That Lord, as we look at your word, we would have a fresh encounter with you. Help us, God, to behold you. In Jesus' name, amen.